your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 244 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Hope everybody had a really nice Thanksgiving. Hopefully you get to spend some time with your family, maybe watch a couple of those awful football games that we were subjected to, and uh, ate a lot of food. Hopefully it was a good time for you and yours. And uh, that song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. Big, big thanks to them for allowing us to play their music at the start of the show. You can check them out anywhere you get your music. And for today, what we're going to do is dive into the latest edition of This Week in Ranger History. There's a lot of really fun stuff this week, so I'm definitely looking forward to getting into that. We're also going to get into the latest with Canada's World Juniors team, which is currently uh, self-quarantining in a hotel in Canada. So we'll talk about what that might mean for the tournament. What does that mean for Alexi Lafreniere's chances of playing for Team Canada? Because that's still up in the air. Uh, The Rangers and Lafreniere himself have not yet come to a decision on whether or not he's going to suit up for Team Canada in the World Juniors. He is eligible to do so. Uh, He won the gold with Team Canada last year, was actually the MVP of the tournament. We will see if he ends up getting to play with them uh, this year as well and what this latest development means for Lafreniere's chances of indeed playing for Team Canada. So we're going to get into all that. But like I said, let's go ahead and start with this week in Ranger history, beginning with a very memorable game against the Washington Capitals. Stop me if you've heard that before. Uh, But this one is actually not a playoff game. Well, how could it be a playoff game, actually, because it's in November? But yeah, it's a regular season game, November 26th. 2005, so 15 years ago, and this game is best remembered for how it ended, which was just a ridiculous move by Merrick Malik, of all people, in the shootout. He played the puck between his legs and shot and scored to win the game for the Rangers. We're going to break that down in greater detail at the very end, but let's take this thing from the top here. So, for starters, it's Rangers, it's Capitals, it's always a good game. This is before they started meeting each other in the playoffs every single season, like they seem to do a few years after this, but... The other very interesting thing here is that it was the rookie season for both Henrik Lundqvist and Alex Ovechkin. I'd say those two did all right for themselves over the years. Ovechkin and Lundqvist, they obviously had a future in hockey to say the very least. But Ovechkin came into this game uh, four for four in his career in shootouts. And he actually went first for the Capitals once this game reached the shootout. He was just 20 years old at the time, but Henrik Lundqvist absolutely stoned him. And like I said, Ovechkin went first for his team and Hank got his glove up, deflected it away. Uh, Then Martin Straka goes up against Olaf Kolzig, who was in net for the Capitals. He shoots wide. Uh, The Capitals get a goal from Andrew Castles. Then Michael Nylander for the Rangers. He goes in, pulls the puck to his backhand and scores on the glove side. You know, one thing I forgot about until I watched the highlights from this game is how slow Michael Nylander used to go in toward the net on shootouts. He would go in about as slow as anybody in the NHL, but he was actually really good. He scored on a a good amount of his shootout opportunities. But I always just found that fascinating where, you know, he would take a very deliberate approach. I don't know if he was just thinking about what he wanted to do. He wanted the goalie to make the first move. He was just more comfortable that way. Whatever it was, it definitely seemed to work for Michael Nylander. But he always went in there at a snail's pace, and then he always seemed to score like he did here. So then... We go into the third round of the shootout, and Mike Pettinger is denied by Henrik Lundqvist. Lundqvist catches the shot clean with his glove, and then Yaramir Yager goes in for the Rangers. Uh, Kolzig made just a fantastic glove save. So we go to extra shooters to try to determine a winner here. And it just went on and on and on and on. It was a 15-round shootout for the Rangers. Listen to some of these names that actually 
had an opportunity in the shootout. So you got Peter Pruka. That that one's not really that surprising. Pruka was a skilled player. Obviously, he didn't stick in the league as long as some other guys, but he had his moments for the Rangers. But then you also had guys like Jason Ward, Marcel Hosa, uh, Ryan Holwig took an opportunity in the shootout. Dominic Moore, an old favorite of mine, uh, he had a chance. Blair Betts had an opportunity. Jed Ortmeier. Jed Ortmeier actually had a chance to win this game in some of the later rounds. Uh, he faked Kolzig basically out of his skates. But Ortmeier just lost control of the puck at the last second, couldn't put it home. But he had a chance. Uh, Michael Roosevelt had an opportunity in this shootout. And somebody on the Rangers named Max Kontrachev had an opportunity to score and win the game for the Rangers in this shootout. He did not score. But I have absolutely no memory of anyone named Max Kontrachev ever playing for the New York Rangers. And I'm usually pretty good at remembering like even kind of the obscure players. But apparently Kontrachev only played 40 career NHL games. So that might be why I don't remember him. But uh, yeah, you know, this shootout just kept going. It kept going. It kept going. No one could score. Uh, both goalies making some nice saves. And, you know, for the coaches, it has to get to a point where even they don't know who to send out there because, you know, the same player obviously can't shoot twice, and by the time you get into the ninth round, the 10th round, the 11th round of a shootout, uh, which coaches plan that far in advance? You're probably just looking up and down the bench and say, hey, get out there and shoot. Try to win this game for us. Uh, but the Capitals took the lead. They're shooting first in this shootout, so they have a chance. It's basically like, you know, the top half of an inning and then the Rangers being in the bottom half of the inning. But the Capitals get a goal from Brian Wilsey, so now the Rangers have to score to keep their chances alive, and it's Vili Niemannen. That's probably a name you haven't heard in a long time, but he goes in and he scores to keep the game going. He had a great fake on the doorstep, and he lifted the puck over the right pad of Kolzig, and we just keep going here. This was Vili Niemannen's only season with the New York Rangers. Kind of a journeyman, wasn't really in the NHL for that long, but obviously a big moment here, uh, keeping the Rangers' chances alive. And then still, nobody can score. I mean, both goalies are, are making nice saves. A couple guys are shooting wide, but for the most part, this is the Henrik Lundqvist and Olaf Kolzig show. And then in round 14, Brian Muir scored for the Capitals to give them the lead. So again, the Rangers are in a spot where they have to score to keep the game going. And they go with Jason Strudwick. And Strudwick goes in with a lot of speed, goes stick side, top shelf. Strudwick was fired up. The bench was fired up. Uh, I love the way Strudwick went in there because, you know, once you get to the 14th, 15th round of the shootout, these are a lot of guys who are not used to being one-on-one -on -one with the goalie, but Strudwick went in there with a lot of speed, looked very sure of what he was doing, what he wanted to attempt to do on the opportunity, and he shot and scored, and just like that, it's tied again. We're going to keep going here. Uh, but the Ranger bench just came alive when Strudwick scored. Strudwick went down the line. He was fist-bumping all of his teammates, and then he pounded on the glass when he got to the end of the bench. So we go to round 15, and the Capitals are stopped. So Merrick Malik steps up for the Rangers, a six foot six, 238-pound defenseman. And what he did here just defies all logic. It defies any kind of an explanation. I will try to describe this goal that he scored. I will do my best here, but really, you're better off just YouTubing. And as a matter of fact, just YouTube the entire shootout. It really is a spectacle to watch. It lasted more than 17 minutes in real time. The shootout just kept going and going and going. So Malik steps up. Again, six foot six, 238-pound defenseman. He has a lefty shot. He goes in, skates basically across the crease, plays the puck between his own legs, reaches between his legs with his stick, and just basically roofs the puck into the net and he knocks the water bottle off the back of the Capitals' net, and he scores just an unreal ending to this game. And it's weird with Merrick Malik, because I think Ranger fans, uh, after a while, they kind of got tired of him to the point where he was actually getting booed every single time he touched the puck. And I, I'm not really sure why this happened. I mean, I don't think Merrick Malik was a superstar for the Rangers by any stretch of the imagination. I think maybe the idea is that he was this big, imposing defenseman, and maybe Ranger fans just wanted him to play a little bit more physical than he would play. And I think that's somewhat understandable. And 
really, I mean, I, I can't even remember Ranger fans doing that to very many other players, at least not in recent history. I know uh, with Michael Roosevelt around that same time period, uh, toward the end of his tenure with the Rangers, his game slipped a little bit, and I think Ranger fans started getting tired of him. Uh, when Marty St. Louis was initially traded from the Lightning to the Rangers, he was hearing it a little bit after he got off to a slow start, but then he obviously picked it up and had those great moments in the playoff run that year as well. But yeah, I mean, I don't even know what else to say about this shootout. I will say one more thing. So I got a calendar of the Rangers that season. And it's one of those calendars where, you know, there's a picture of a different player for every month that goes by. And on the cover of the calendar, there was just a great picture of the entire team celebrating. And it was actually a picture of the team reacting to Merrick Malik's shootout goal here. You know, Yager went onto the ice. Yager's got his arms spread. He's about to hug Malik. He's, he's just smiling from ear to ear. He's half cheering, half laughing. It was fantastic. I mean, the team just really came alive when the Rangers won that game there. And rightfully so. I mean, this was just an epic wild shootout. And to this day, I don't think that we've had a shootout go 15 rounds. There have been some that have been close, but man, a 15 round shootout. So I'm adding this in post. I wanted to look this up and find out for sure. And I'm realizing, and this actually does sound vaguely familiar to me, on December 16th, 2014, the Florida Panthers defeated the Washington Capitals 2-1 to in a shootout. That shootout went 20 rounds, but the Ranger record stood up until that year. So almost a decade where that was the longest shootout in NHL history. And then, you know, you're bruiser defenseman basically wins the game on a trick shot. You, you can't make this stuff up. It was just an absolutely wild game. And just one last note that I'll throw out there as it pertains to this game. Uh, we've talked a lot about the Rangers bringing back the Lady Liberty jerseys. That's going to be their alternate jersey for this upcoming season. But they were wearing the Lady Liberty jerseys here. So if the Rangers go into a shootout and they're wearing these Lady Liberty jerseys, I think a lot of us might now think back to this game and hopefully they win uh, win that shootout as well. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Go. Built Go will help you break through your wall. It is the healthy replacement for your energy drink, but the energy is not fake. It's lasting and natural. And I can tell you from experience, it's a fantastic product to use before playing baseball, tennis, or even frisbee golf. Built Go comes to us all from the same people who brought us the world's fastest growing protein bar, Built Bar. It will help you break through your wall. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it every day with Go. It's easy to take in one and a half ounce packages, put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever, your golf bag to power through the back nine, or put it in your pocket to get through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market, plus it's natural, so it's better for the body. It comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. How does Built Go work so well? Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into my system fast. Plus, it's easy on the stomach. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. All right, let's go ahead and keep it rolling here with this week in New York Ranger hockey. And we're going to go back just one year to last season, November 23rd, 2019. The Rangers fall into a 4 0 hole in Montreal against the Canadians. They come back and they win the game 6 to 5. I've talked about this one a lot. Obviously, uh, the podcast was just getting started when the Rangers uh, had this comeback. We were only about a month into the. Locked on New York Rangers podcast history, but it's definitely one that's worth revisiting. So the Rangers, I mean, they were really struggling early last season, just very inconsistent on a night-to-night -night basis. Part of that is obviously a byproduct of having a young team. But coming into this game in Montreal, the Rangers had lost four straight games, and uh, they weren't just losing, they were getting destroyed. And if you want proof of that, the preceding four games, they lost 9-3 to at Tampa, 
then four to three at the Florida Panthers, then four to one at home against the Capitals, and then four to one at the Ottawa Senators. So really not playing good hockey. And the 4-1 loss against the Senators, that actually occurred the night before this game. So the Rangers had a back-to-back on the road, and this game does not start much better than any of the preceding games as they fall into an early 4-0 hole on the road. If you're the Rangers at this point, it would have been very easy to just kind of throw up your hands and say, you know what, it's not our night, we'll get them the next time. This isn't going to happen for us tonight. And we all know, you know, Montreal, not an easy place to play, tends to be a little bit of a hostile crowd. But the Rangers did not do that. They come storming back. And the interesting thing about this to me is that, you know, we talk about the 4 nothing hole and how they came out of it. But in the second period of this game, they're down 4 to nothing, and they get goals from Philip Hedl, Pavel Buchnevich, and Brian Lemieux to make it 4-3. to Those three goals happen in the span of just three minutes and 20 seconds. So you go from just getting basically run off the ice into, hey, this is a one-goal game, and we still got half the game to go here. So it was really just a crazy night in Montreal. And uh, the Canadians actually extend their lead early in the third period, back up to 5-3, to three, but the Rangers come roaring back again. Artemi Panarin scores, because of course he does, so that knocks it down to 5-4. to four. And then Brian Lemieux scores again, his second goal of the evening. A shorthanded goal just went hard to the net, wasn't going to be denied, ties the game at 5. And then Jacob Truba, off of a face-off win by Ryan Strom, with a little bit less than 8 minutes remaining, he scores on a shot from the blue line to give the Rangers a 6-5 to lead, and they hang on for the win. Uh, just a fantastic victory for the Rangers. And something else I want to point out, it's very, very easy to overlook Alex Georgiev and what he did in this game. You might look at the box score and say, oh, well, you know, we gave up 5 goals on 43 shots. Not a good night for Georgiev. And to be fair, it was not a stellar performance by Alex Georgiev. I mean, anytime you give up five goals, you probably don't have your A game. And Alex Georgiev, we've seen him play better than he played on this night. But despite giving up those five goals, he made some really, really nice saves in the second half of this game. I mean, he came up clutch a couple of times. And this comeback, it can't happen if the Canadians continue to score goals. I mean, I realize I'm stating the obvious there. But Alex Georgiev had to shut the door, and he pretty much did that. He did give up the one goal in the third period, but by then, you know, the Rangers really had the ball rolling. They were starting to click, and uh, just a great team victory. I mean, what else can be said? It was a fantastic win, and it also got the Rangers pointed in the right direction because including this game in Montreal, the big comeback here, the Rangers won four out of their next five games, and even the one loss in that stretch came in overtime. So they got nine out of a possible 10 points in that five-game stretch. And it also just established a tone that this team was never going to quit. We saw a lot of thrilling wins in the second half of the season, especially post-All-Star break. Uh, there'd be some clutch goals where the Rangers would tie the game in the final minute, or, or you know, maybe they would even allow the equalizer late in the game, but then they would go on to win it in overtime. They would find a way to regroup and get the two points anyway. And this was the start of that theme where this is a team that is just never going to give up on any given night. And again, like I said, very young team. Things had not been going their way. They'd lost four in a row. It's a disastrous start in Montreal. You're down by four goals. Would have been very easy to just mail it in the rest of the night. Not these Rangers, man. And that's one of the things that I love about this team and one of the reasons why I'm so excited about where this rebuild is going. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein and energy bar that I have ever had. It's kind of hard to explain. You just have to experience it for yourself. It's got real chocolate, amazing flavors, and unlike a lot of other protein bars, energy bars, you don't need a gallon of water to get rid of that weird, funky aftertaste that sometimes comes with the other bars. It's just good, and it actually kind of tastes quite a bit like a candy bar. It has an amazing combination of low calories, 
high protein, and low sugar. There are no crazy additives, and if you compare it to the most popular men's bar, Cliff, it is half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. How can it be that good and taste that good? I don't know. You just got to try it for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off of your first box at BuiltBar.com. Once again, use promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first box at www.BuiltBar.com. All right, we'll do one more here. Let's go all the way back to November 29, 1987. Bob Freeze becomes the second goalie to ever score a goal. He does so while playing for the New York Rangers against the New York Islanders. It was later ruled, however, that Freeze should not be credited with the goal because it was a very strange play. So what happened here was the Islanders had pulled their goalie. It was late in the game. Rangers are leading the game 2-1. to one, And Dennis Potvin... Yes, that Potvin, the one that they all chant, Potvin sucks, the one that Ranger fans will never forget. He actually gets through the defense and was kind of one-on-one with Froze here. And it's crazy because you could actually hear the fans at Madison Square Garden booing Potvin. But Potvin gets loose, he shoots, and he hits the near post. And it was very difficult to tell if Froze got a piece of the puck or not. But the rebound's loose, the Islanders get to the loose puck in the corner, they try to pass back to the blue line, but the pass misfires, and it rolls all the way back down the ice and into the Islander net, because like I said, the Islanders had pulled their goalie, there's no way there to stop it from going in, and when this happens... The goal goes to the player on the Rangers who last touched the puck. And in this case, it was believed that it was actually Bob Froze who last touched the puck. And Froze's reaction was great because they announced him as the goal scorer. And the crowd's going nuts. They love it. And he basically just holds his stick in the air and just kind of spins it in his hand to acknowledge the crowd. It had to be a cool feeling. At the time, he was only going to be the second goalie uh, to score a goal in NHL history. But I guess it was later ruled that he didn't touch the puck or that another Ranger had touched the puck afterwards. Something happened where the scoring was changed. And uh, unfortunately, Froze does not get credit for that, but had to be a cool feeling at the time, at least. All right, we got to go ahead and get you guys caught up on the World Juniors situation. Uh, Not too long ago, two players on Team Canada tested positive for coronavirus, and all 46 players and coaches and Hockey Canada staff members were considered to be close contacts, and so all of them are going through a 14-day isolation period at a hotel in Red Deer, Alberta. And so, obviously, this kind of has the World Juniors in a state of flux. There's still some optimism coming from Team Canada that the tournament can still be played. It is scheduled to start at Rogers Place in Edmonton. That obviously worked great for the Stanley Cup playoffs. There were no cases of coronavirus. But that's going to be starting on Christmas and should last through January 5th, 2021. There's not going to be any fans there. Same thing as the Stanley Cup playoffs. And we have a quote here from Dean McIntosh, who is the Director of Marketing Services for Hockey Canada. He says... Our goal is to ensure that we know that the athletes and the administrators that meet the teams, as well as close people delivering the bubble, are in a very safe environment and are following the protocols that we've put in place. So that, combined with the support we've had from both the federal and the provincial government, we feel strongly about our ability to deliver a great event in Edmonton in December. And uh, only time is going to tell there, obviously, Things are still very much up in the air and good on these players for self-quarantining for 14 days. That can't be a lot of fun. But it has also been reported that any player who tests positive after November 29th would be disqualified from playing in the tournament, probably for the better there. And as far as Alexi Lafreniere potentially playing in this tournament, it is still a possibility. Again, Team Canada paused all of its activities on Tuesday. That was after the two players tested positive for COVID. And all the players and staff are currently in a 14-day isolation period. We also have a quote from Hockey Canada Senior Vice President of National Teams, Scott Salmond. He says, 
There are precautions that you can put in place in terms of that person and their quarantine responsibilities, in particular Alexi, as he is in New York currently, so there would be some quarantine restrictions on him to arrive into Canada. But we're going to keep that conversation going, and we're going to look at all the different options still. I would say it's not out of the question. And uh, we'll see. I mean, there's a lot that has to happen here. First of all, Alexi Lafreniere himself has to decide that this is still worth it to him, that he still wants to play in this tournament. I would imagine in a perfect world, Alexi Lafreniere would love to play in this tournament one more time. I mean, he won the gold medal there last time. I can only imagine what an honor it is for these guys to represent their countries at such a high level. So... Yeah, I mean, why not go out there and get yourself another gold medal if you can? But given the current circumstances, uh, obviously, he's going to have to be cautious. The Rangers, it's something that they're going to keep looking at. I'm not so sure that the Rangers would necessarily want him to participate in this tournament, given the current state of the world. Obviously, the risk of catching coronavirus is there. I'm not sure, again, if Alexi Lafreniere himself would like to do it or if he'll even be allowed to do it. It is a tournament that I'm definitely looking forward to. It's one that I've gotten into more and more as the years have gone by. And when you've got Alexi Lafreniere participating in the tournament, who, as we all know, was taken number one overall by the Rangers, it just makes you that much more interested in the tournament as a whole as a Ranger fan. But we're going to have to wait and see. Hockey Canada's deadline to include Alexi Lafreniere is December 6th. Hopefully this tournament can still happen, but not at the expense of everyone's health and safety. And it should also be noted that the Rangers are kind of in wait-and-see mode here as well because they want to find out when the NHL is going to start the 2020-2021 regular season before deciding on whether Lafreniere could or should participate in the tournament because if the NHL starts on January 1st, which is still the league's goal, then that's going to overlap with the World Juniors because that tournament might not end. It won't end until January 5th. So again, it's a lot of wait and see. I would love to see Alexi Lafreniere participate uh, if the schedule allows, if protocols allow. And again, just hopefully everybody on Team Canada is doing well and you just keep your fingers crossed first and foremost for everyone's safety, but then also uh, that this tournament can go off without a hitch as the Stanley Cup playoff tournament also did in Edmonton. But that's going to do it for today, guys. Once again, thanks as always for tuning in. And if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. Have a great weekend. I'll see you next time.